0: This is podcast 41, The Quest, Meeting Jesus on the Road. In this podcast, I will be reflecting on beauty as a way to God. According to Aristotle, the chief characteristics of beauty are order, rhythm, balance, symmetry, unity, completeness, or wholeness, and definiteness. By definiteness, Aristotle meant the sort of order and harmony of relationships demonstrated most often and most clearly in the mathematical sciences. Tragedy is also a characteristic of beauty, Aristotle thought, in that beauty has the power to produce catharsis. Beginning then around the 6th century BCE, the Greek philosophers began to associate the outward works of art, of um, the beauty of nature, the beauty of human faces and bodies, with the beauty of what they considered the four virtues, wisdom, courage, self-restraint, and justice. They thought that everything beautiful, whether outward and physical or inward and moral or spiritual rather than material, came from the gods As a gift, in the language of the ancient Hebrews, there were a number of synonyms used for beauty. In biblical Hebrew, the ideas of splendor and magnificence, both literal and metaphorical, uh, what is pleasing to look at, or even dazzling in appearance, are all mingled with um, Feelings associated with pleasure, desire, and enjoyment. For the Hebrew mind, there really was no real division between what was lovely and loving it, between the desirable and its desire, between splendor and its admiration. In saying something that was beautiful, the Hebrews of scripture were describing a phenomenon, an experience, not defining an idea for so for them, there was really a new separation, say, between the beauty of the temple and its magnificent construction and its exquisitely crafted furnishings and their personal experience of it. Nor was there really any difference between admiring a scarf with intricate needlework and a person of integrity and honor. They were both beautiful, both experienced as beautiful. The English word uh, good, uh, or the English word that is translated, uh, the Hebrew word that is translated as good in Genesis one thirty one. Uh, can be translated not only as good, but as uh, harmonious. Everything working together, everything coming together, everything fitting together as it should, is beautiful. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very beautiful. As a classical Christian, I believe the world The whole cosmos was created beautiful. That everything, if we have eyes to see it, to experience it, is created in beauty, for beauty, and by the one who is beautiful. To everything on earth and in the heavens above the earth, there is beauty. There is the beauty of the deep sacred night and the lighted beauty of the blessed day. There is the beauty of youth rising and the beauty of old age setting. There is the beauty of simple humility and the beauty of dignity kept. There is the beauty of everything that walks and runs and leaps and the beauty of everything that crawls, hops, swims, or flies. There is the beauty of joy and the beauty of grief. There is the beauty of intimacy and the beauty of loneliness. There is the beauty of ecstasy and the beauty of anguish. There is a beauty of life and the beauty of death. There is a beauty of adventure and the beauty of Hobbiton. There is a beauty of work and the beauty of play. There is a beauty of abundance and the beauty of want. There is a beauty of laughter and the beauty of tears. To the sighted, everything on earth and in heaven, beauty. Beauty is considered by theologians to belong to the divine essence. That is, beauty is an attribute of God, like knowledge, or wisdom, or power, or love, or compassion, or justice. God not only creates what is beautiful, God is beauty itself. Psalm 274 therefore, says, One thing I have asked from the Lord, that I shall seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to meditate in his temple. In the movie, First Contact, Jodie Foster's character, Dr. Ellie Arroway, deciphers radio signals sent from the far reaches of space to Earth, enabling her and other scientists to construct a strange machine that enables her to travel in seconds through a series of wormholes to a world billions of light years away. The colors and abstract patterns she passes through and the unknown planet itself are stunning, uh, overwhelming in their beauty. When it is all over, and when she has passed through the wormhole, uh, she thinks she she has been gone for 18 hours. But to all the observers and scientists at the launch site or control center on Earth, it all happened in a matter of seconds. Well, actually, to them, nothing seems to have happened at all. What they thought was a space capsule that would propel Ellie into space and to this distant planet simply drops through the interlocking rings or large hoops into the sea the whole thing appears to have been a complete failure. This is of course the way it is with most profoundly spiritual experiences. That is to the outside observer, nothing seems to have really happened at all. But to Ellie Arroway, it is an ecstatic adventure of astonishing wonder and beauty. Speaking into her microphone in an attempt to chronicle her journey, she stammers out, "No, no words, no words to describe. Poetry. They, they should have sent a poet. So beautiful, so beautiful. I had no idea." She is right. Poets are better at capturing the subtlety, and the mystery of experiences that scientists miss entirely with their diagrams. And many of the poets have known beauty as ultimate spiritual reality, have felt it, tasted it, have seen it, though there is more of it that is invisible than visible. Consider, for example, Keats, Jeffers, or the unknown Old Testament psalmist. A thing of beauty is a joy forever. Wrote the great poet John Keats. And we know that the enormous, invulnerable beauty of things is the face of God, said Robinson Jeffers, the modern poet. In Psalm 27:4, one thing have I asked from the Lord that I shall seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold. The beauty of the Lord. To be touched by beauty is to be touched by God. Beauty is the path of the Spirit that leads to Christ and through Christ to the heart of God. The appreciation of beauty, astonishment in its presence, whether the natural beauty of the physical universe we inhabit, or the artistic beauty of painters, musicians, poets, and dancers, singers, and sculptors, or an idea, or the character of one who has lived life well and attained wisdom, emerges from something unfathomable within us. And that something, I believe, is the mystery we call God. When we encounter beauty, when we experience it, the encounter or the experience is, at its deeper levels, a kind of epiphany or intuitive insight into the essential reality of something. It's like we both grasp and are grasped by, lay hold on and are laid hold on by the object of beauty we are pulled toward the source of beauty. This is frequently experienced in contemplative practice as an aesthetic mystical or transcendent moment. The famous Catholic theologian, Hans Urs von Balthasar, 1905 to 1988, who studied at the University of Zurich, Vienna, And Berlin, before taking his Ph.D. in philosophy and theology from the University of Munich, understood beauty as an attribute of God, like omnipresent, omniscience, justice, or compassion. I think Balthazar was entirely correct. Beauty is not something apart or separate from God. I believe that when I perceive beauty, partial though it may be, I am glimpsing God, for God is beautiful. God is beautiful, is beauty, just as God is love, as John one four first John one four says. A good deal has been written about how pioneering physicists and mathematicians like Paul Dirac spent their lives seeking beautiful mathematical formulas. Ramamujan, the brilliant Indian mathematician, credited his substantial mathematical insights to divinity. An equation for me has no meaning, he once said, and unless it expresses a thought of God. If you believe in God, then, of course, it is entirely logical and natural to believe that in an elegant mathematical formula, you are, in fact, seeing something of the grace and the elegance of God. There's a wonderful story of a graduate student whose proposal for a thesis in mathematics was rejected. The committee said What was being proposed was not true and would therefore be a waste of time for both the student and the committee. Somewhat frustrated, the student wrote Einstein explaining the proposal and what had happened with the committee. Einstein replied saying that the the research proposal was beautiful and that if the hypothesis was not true, it should be. The committee relented, and in the end, the students' thesis proved to be correct. What Einstein thought was that if something was beautiful, like a mathematical equation, it was more likely to be true than not. As the ancient Greek philosophers pondered the concepts of truth and goodness and beauty, they eventually came to... To the conclusion that these are best understood not as three separate things, but as one. What is good is therefore beautiful. What is beautiful is true. And what is true is good and beautiful. Because I believe then Christ to be good and beautiful, the very embodiment of or incarnation of beauty and goodness. I also believe him to be truth. On our college campus, there was a wonderful room used exclusively for art exhibits. One of the showings I remember most came to our campus early during my freshman year. It exhibited the work of an artist who welded metal into abstract sculptures as I stood looking at a sculpture about, I don't know, 48 inches high, made of very heavy steel salvage from a dismantled oil derrick. Another student, a young woman, standing next to me asked what I thought. Well, I replied, anyone could have done this, could have just welded a bunch of metal together. I don't think it is art. It's not anything, I said. Oh, She responded quietly. I think it's beautiful. It is so heavy that both of us together could not move it, yet it looks so light like you could pick it up with one hand. All the angles are so elegant. In that moment, I experienced something of an epiphany. I saw for myself what she was describing saw the sculpture, was indeed a sculpture, and not just pieces of steel randomly welded together. I don't know when I first saw Jesus as beautiful, experienced him as beautiful, and not as a doctrine requiring my mental assent or an idea to be argued, but that continuing realization is inseparable from my faith in Christ. In God and in the Holy Spirit. When I look at Jesus, I not only see beauty, but I see the one who is beautiful. I do not see, as Marcus Borg did, one of the two most remarkable human beings who ever lived, but one of incomparable beauty. Belt is our thought and I must confess and repent, I am quite pleased with myself that this is something I felt and believed and thought before ever reading Balthazar, that God is the beautiful one whose beauty is manifested in the love, in the compassion, in the justice, in the goodness, in the light, in the grace of Jesus Christ. Not only that Christ is the beauty of God incarnate in a world of chaos and darkness and ugliness. Some things I know by logical analysis, but this is not one of them, since beauty is detected more by the faculties of openness, wonder, faith, and love than it is by analytical thought. In her book, Beauty, a Theological Engagement with Gregory of Nyssa, Natalie Carnes, Professor of Theology at Baylor University, writes, Christ's presence, particularly in worship, made perceptible to us by the Spirit, gives us the eyes to see and ears to hear God's presence in the world. I believe in, trust in, I give my heart to Christ for a number of reasons. Uh, As I have stated. One, I believe in God, uh, the God, this is a kind of summary. Uh, I believe in God, the God of the Bible, with my mind and with experienced and encountered God in the depths of my life. Two, considering a number of factors, including archaeological evidence the characteristics of an eyewitness testimony found in the Gospels and what J.B. Phillips referred to as the New Testament's ring of truth. I believe the, the core truth and historicity of the Bible to be essentially reliable. Three, I believe that in Holy Scripture, in the Sacra pagina God has conveyed a message to humanity culminating in the person of christ for i believe that the prophets of ancient israel told of the coming messiah and that jesus fulfilled their vision of one who would be a suffering servant making his own wounds available for the healing of the world overcoming evil with good hate with love and despair with hope five i believe in christ because the more i live his teaching the more i find it to be true to be the way. Six, I believe in Christ because I see Him in Him a, a mysterious and unfathomable beauty, and with all the great philosophers of history recognize that beauty, truth, and goodness are one. In my next podcast, I will reflect on the resurrection as a final piece of evidence.